Hello, welcome back to the Pro Try News Podcast. This week we got a lot to uh, unpack, so we'll get right into it. Um, first, we want to welcome our guest and dear friend, Paula Finley. Paula, how's it going? Hey guys, I am great. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize I was like replacing Talbot in this podcast, but <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> and and Paula, you know, we can we could sit here and talk for, you know, we could spend the hour going through your career. We're going to just bring you on for the show part of it. Um, but first, you're you have won you're here for St. George. You've won this race in the past. Uh, are you excited to to race this weekend and I guess just tell us just tell us quick where you're at with that. Yeah, I'm super excited to be back here. I've had, um, so I won in 2018 and I was second in 2019. So every time I've been here, I've had a good experience. I've raced really well. I think the course suits me really well. Although 2019 feels like a really long time ago now. So, you know, two years, a lot can happen. And last year was a strange year, obviously, but um, I'm feeling pretty fit. I feel like I could have a good race if I go into it with a good headspace and I'm pretty like in a good mood right now. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, I'm excited to race. It's exciting that Daniela's coming over and uh, Holly's here. I I don't know. The the list of women is really, really strong. Um, You know, so yeah, it'll be interesting, but exciting. Great. Well, we're, we're thrilled to see you race, but we're thrilled by a much larger factor to just uh, to really have you on the pod. Uh, this is our our first female uh, co-host, so we hope uh, we hope you can be on for another episode at another time. So, Kyle, let, let's we got a we've got a big show. I thought it was going to be a short one, and all of a sudden now it's like we're going to have to kind of pop, pop, pop. We're going to have to crank through it. We can start off from results from last weekend, Challenge Grand Canary. Uh, obviously, we didn't really know a whole lot about the course. Um, unfortunately, the elevations didn't get posted, so. If you watch some of the videos, it was a lot hillier of a race than we expected. Um, it was pretty hot. There was a lot of, uh, I think there was like four or five men that crashed on the bike course. Um, you can see that on. Um, uh, yeah, we, we saw it on the gram. Yeah. Yep. Paula, can you just uh, give the audience an insight into, you know, I had, we had no idea it was going to be almost 2000 meters of climbing can you just tell us what that's like to do 2000 meters of climbing on a tt bike in 80k yeah the the most experience i have that was with that was nice last year which i don't think was that much climbing i rode a tt bike um nicholas spirig interestingly rode her road bike for this race and she's a road bike specialist she comes from an itu background but i think personally i may have chosen a road bike as well just more because of the descending part i think it's so much easier to descend that many meters when you're on a road bike especially on technical courses like it looks like that one was so it really depends how much you train on your tt bike and how comfortable you are on it but they're a little bit heavier they're a little bit um you know they're not designed to climb they're designed to go straight and fast so yeah it would have been an interesting choice for sure so obviously the women's race, we had Nicola. She won uh, by a wide margin um, over Sarissa DeFry and Lisa Norton. Cat Matthews, fourth place. Um, you've raced, I'd say, all of those, maybe minus Sarissa. How how does that play like into your field? Do you look at these results over the weekend and be like, okay, I could stack myself against this or that or things like that? Me? Um Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard after a year of COVID when no one's raced and you can't really compare people's fitnesses, especially like early season racing. So I always go into a race feeling intimidated when I see names like Nicholas Bierig and Daniela Reef and Holly Lawrence and 
um, Lisa Norton and I don't feel like, oh, I can go in and smash these people, <laughs> but it is fun to like measure yourself against them. So my approach uh, on Saturday will just be to stay with the front cyclist, which probably will be Daniela as long as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, it's always good to feel like I'm not going into the race like without any competition. <laughs> like There's going to be a lot of people around. So Yeah, so it's more fun for you to race with a larger field than than the smaller fields kind of I think so yeah just win the race yeah I do prefer racing yeah. from the front like I did at Daytona but yeah, yeah. Um, having other people around is makes it a lot more competitive of course and Paula do you see that do you see Nicola's race as like a pretty big warning shot for Tokyo if it happens yeah I think she's obviously really fit um I know Lisa is very strong on the bike I rode with her in Daytona and for Nicola to put time on her is, yeah, she must be riding really, really well and then obviously running well as well. So Nicola seems to always be ready every four years at the Olympic Games, as you would know, Pat, right? So I have no doubt she'll be in contention there no matter what. Unreal. Well, we'll get to the men's race. Jan Fredino won first place over Pablo de Pena and Nick Callistein, his training partner. Um the, the most exciting part was obviously the race for second, third, and fourth, which they ended up finishing within about 45 seconds of each other. Um, everyone kind of traded jabs back and forth the whole race. Jan kind of went off on his own on the bike a little bit, tried to put a gap in and, and was kind of like reeled back in toward the end of the bike and then just kind of ran away from everyone. Um, that That second through fourth, though, they battled back and forth up until the last lap of the run. Patrick Lang kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, Pablo is fighting back. Pablo dropped all the way down to fourth at one point in the run. So it was a really exciting race. Um, obviously, Jan, another victory, um, continuing to teach us that age is just a number. Being 39 years old, him and Nicola, obviously, are, are both 39 and still being in contention for wins and, and beyond. Yeah, un- unreal. Let's. Um, the big thing, I, I was very surprised that Patrick blew up. He blew up at 15K on a hard course that I, I obviously wouldn't compare it to Kona, which is where his bread and butter is made. But Patrick, I, mean, well, I don't know very... why you're surprised. Patrick's never raced good in a 70.3 against anyone who's good. <laughs> like, no Tell offense come... against Patrick. I mean, I'd probably say it to him too, but he's never really raced against anyone in a 70.3 that's good he's always got beat a guy's just built for Kona yeah I think so I think the interesting thing is right it's like you know if you what I've learned in my time sitting next to triathlon and Paula you can probably you know talk to this more than I can but it's like if you if you aren't physically prepared for the bike course your run suffers massively so if Patrick hasn't been training on hills and then he's got to come off and run a half marathon after a super hilly, punchy bike. You know, it's very challenging. I guess, Paula, would you agree? Yeah, I found personally when I am injured running and I put a lot more focus on the bike, and then I come back and do a 70.3 off of not very much run training, yeah. I'm usually racing better because the bike, I can, you know, I'm stronger on the bike and it doesn't take as much out of me. So even though I don't have that much running in my legs, I can still run decently well so I would say in a 70.3 especially hilly one like this the bike is so important and that's kind of the difference from ITU and why a lot of athletes have a hard time making the jump over because the bike has so much more 
emphasis and importance in these long distance races. Great. Um, one last thing. Obviously, we got a little bit of coverage on that race. Um, it's not anything that we're used to. Talbot, do you want to talk about the the change that they had um, to end up streaming the race for us to be able to watch and, and see a little bit of what went on at that race? Yeah, I jumped on the YouTube stream and they were getting like ripped a new one because the coverage was so bad um, in that race. But I reached out to some people at the Challenge family and they basically said they had no intention to do a live stream and a local news source there in Grand Canary the day before the race um, was like, oh, we can do a live stream for you guys. And so they were just trying to give everyone like a, uh, I don't know, what everyone wanted. So they, they weren't really set up to do a live stream. So it's essentially it was two guys talking half Spanish, half English on a feed with a drone shot of transition one into uh, and not a lot of following the athletes. So, I, I mean, hats off to them for at least giving us a little bit of uh, coverage um, and race updates and all that. But live stream is yeah, a different a ball game. Those are a lot harder to do than I think people give them credit for. So, Especially on an island in the middle of, basically in the middle of nowhere, just right off the coast of in Africa. So, <laughs> <laughs> We're really Maybe once Elon Musk gets his, gets his satellites up in the air, we'll be able to, to get... No, that was Island House. <laughs> <laughs> right. live, live, live coverage. Um, all right. Well, well, we can dive into uh, St. George. We can kind of set the scene for you. It's a uh, reservoir swim, hilly bike course over 3,000 feet of elevation through Snow Canyon over 1,200 feet of elevation on the run. I know that probably means nothing to you, Paula, right? Do you deal in meters or feet? Does it matter? I, can, I think 3,000 is just under 1,000 meters of elevation for all you That's Canadians. Right. Yeah. And then 400... It'd be 400 meters of elevation on the run. Yeah. Right? That's right. Man, I passed fifth grade math. Watch out. Uh, the weather, obviously overcast, 66 degrees at the race start, 80 degrees by the finish, 45 females, 75 males racing, price purse of over 100K, um, 15K. It descends from 15K for the winner, 9, 7, 5, 4, and then descending all the way down through the top 10. Uh, past champions, we have Rudy Von Berg and Holly Lawrence defending from 2019. 2018 champions were Lionel and Paula, obviously. Um, and then course record, Lionel had the course record 2018, Holly in 2019. Holla. Holla. <laughs> I don't know if course records too, will be able to be broken because Eric and I went and rode the course this morning and it is different than previous years on the bike. The run, or um, yeah, it looks like they rude us through like a brand new road on one of the sections. And then there's a few out and backs that we didn't do years before. So I don't know if anyone who maybe goes faster this year can be claimed a course record holder. <laughs> Paul, so quick, 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 couple questions on the course. Do you know, is the course that you're racing on Saturday identical to what you're supposed to be doing in September for, for World 70.3 World Championships? Um, that's a good question. I would, I would think so, yes. Um, it looks like one of the parts where they're where it's different is actually like a way smoother, better, quieter road than what we used to do. So I'm assuming they'd use that at Worlds. Um, But we did try to ride the first part of the course, which is completely closed right now. And they are pretty strict about no athletes riding on it. So I'm not sure if those detours are due to road construction or due to completely redoing the course. So I I think they're brand new roads and they aren't going to open until Monday. Yeah, they're literally like laying pavement today. So I think it'll be it'll be super smooth. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so then next next question is, uh, have you swam in the reservoir, and is it as cold as they're reporting? 
We didn't go yesterday because we heard it was so cold and we were kind of chickened mm-hmm. out. We're going to try it this <laughs> afternoon, Eric and I, and see. But I've, we've heard it's like 59 Fahrenheit, which but is you're, chilly. Yeah, which is cold. Okay. And what's the, what's the coldest uh, swim that you've done? Did you do Edmonton a couple of those really cold years? No, I did Vancouver World Championships in 2008. That might have been the okay. coldest. Yeah. Well, that was like 11 Celsius or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. So cool. a little colder than this, but... Yeah, it's it's hard when the water's cold, but I think it's also supposed to be a really hot day know, on Saturday in the air temp, like later in the day. Yeah, so yeah. keep that in mind if you're racing. Like it's gonna be super cold, but you'll be thankful later on that you weren't kind of burning up right and, at the start. And I just looked at this via my iPhone, but I saw the wind emoji is attached for Saturday. If it's super windy, are you gonna ride a disc wheel? Are you gonna ride something like a little bit, you know, not a disc, but still like a sixty or a ninety mil depth in the rear? Or what what are your thoughts there? Um, I only brought a disc. I think they're always faster. Um, yeah. I think that I'll ride a narrower front if it's super windy and yep. like a four, five, four instead of an eight, five, eight zip. Um, yep. but I, I really do think that the discs are faster no matter what, even in no crosswinds. And, and you feel okay. You feel safe enough on it. Yeah. I'm not the best technical handler in the wind, but from what I've just like talking to my coach and everything, I think the rear wheel depth makes less of a difference than the front. So. Yeah, I think a few years ago, Sarah Groff didn't use a disc and felt like that was a disadvantage on some of the descents because they're so fast. So Sure, sure. Yeah, I would recommend, even though they're a bit heavier and there's a lot of climbing, I would say this is such a fast course that it's probably going to be better to ride a disc. And is, is Paulo still your coach? Yeah, yeah, Paulo Sousa is my coach. And was he, but he was your coach, and he was your coach, correct, the last time you won this race, right? Yeah, I sort of just started working with him then two years okay, ago. Cool. So it's been about two and a half years. And what's the, uh, any like similarities in the run-in towards this race or has it just been, it's been totally different prep, hasn't it? Yeah. Paulo is interesting. He gives us pretty similar weeks leading in, but in terms of my training in general, it's been a lot different because I've been healthy on the run for a year and a half. So it's a little bit, you know, I mean a lot more run mileage and intensity than what I would do in 18 because I was so injury prone back then. So okay. yeah, I don't even remember what the training looked like, but I just know it's different (laughs) now. It was actually very similar than to the training before Daytona, like a very similar 70.3 training structure these last cool. three weeks. So, do you, do you yeah. feel like you're in the same shape, Daytona shape, or more or better? Oh, that's hard to say. I'd say I'm probably not quite as, in, as good of shape as I was in Daytona. But we were training indoors completely, like in the winter in December, and running a lot on the treadmill. It's really hard to compare, but I'd say I was a bit fitter in December. But that's probably okay. Like, I don't want to be in my peak fitness right now and Worlds are in September, so. This is basically like recon for Worlds, right? Just to test yourself against the girls, see where you're at, see how the course is. Obviously, you've raced here before, so you know the course. Who are are some of the top girls you think this weekend that have a shot at it? Uh, Well, definitely Daniela. Uh, Count... I can't count out Holly. She races really well on this course. Uh, Meredith Kessler has won this race before. Emma Pallant is here. She just won 70.3 Florida, so I know she's in good shape. Uh, Jeannie Metzler ran really fast in Texas a few weeks ago, uh, so I think she'll be up there. If she's uh, if she's there on the bike, she's definitely you know, going to be a contender. Sky Munch has had a few good races lately, so really a handful of people that could <laughs> podium at this race um, on any kind of given day with different conditions so it's a very different course than florida and texas though so it's hard to compare paula we spoke about this with sam on the podcast last week or the week before but 
you know, with there being like a much smaller schedule of, we'll call it North American triathlons for you to do, that when you do step up to a race, the start list is naturally just uh, much better than it was in years past. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like every one of these races has a higher level of importance than necessarily like than how this race felt when you did it in 18 or where does it where does just like kind of the feel of the race at like do you get are you fired up for it does it feel like a world championship even though it isn't one yeah I think it being a North American championship makes it have a little bit more importance than just a regular 70.3 but you're right every single race on the schedule is pretty stacked with really competitive fields I think everyone's really hungry to race and there aren't as many opportunities to race this year, especially in North America. So yeah, you can't, every race feels important. And I sort of experienced that in Daytona, like there, it was a world championship level field and it was just challenged Daytona. So I don't know, right. it was, right, right. you can never really look at the start list and like let that change your race plan. And I'm just going to go and race as hard as I can. And it's really cool that Danielle is there and I haven't raced her many times in my life, but I think that, yes, although they're much more competitive and feel more important, I am trying not to make that, um, put more pressure on myself for that reason. Cool. Yeah. It's just, it's just fun. I mean, you kind of, you, you accidentally rattled off almost 10 names and it's like, wow, when is there, it's just, it's fun to see these, these full fields, you know, and it's like, okay, this is really cool. They're stacked fields, both on the, on the men and the women's side. So, and people traveling over from Europe for this race, like that just adds to the depth of it. Having Emma Palantir and Daniela, that would not normally happen if there were tons of races in Europe to choose from. Right. Sure. Kyle, you want to roll in the men's race? Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Men's race. Uh, I mean, same situation, very stacked field, George Goodwin, third in Daytona, Rudy Von Berg, uh, defending champion Lionel Sanders, 2018 champion, course record, uh, Ben Canute. It's going to be really cool to see him race and then race again here in two weeks in Yokohama. Um, he kind of talked on Bob Bagbit this week about how they're kind of focusing a little bit more on the relay side rather than um, racing in general. Uh, Sam Appleton's first race of the year, um, and we got a lot of Europeans coming over. Um, also, Andy Dreitz, he's racing his third race in the last four weeks, so we'll see how that pays out for him. Um, the only other person that's won a race this year that's going to be racing here, besides Lionel, is Daniel Backegaard, who won 70.3 Dubai. You also miss a race favorite. I mean, he was pretty much unstoppable last year, Anthony Costas. I mean, he won pretty much every uh, Zwift Pro Tri-Series race he entered <laughs> last year. <laughs> Wait, let's you also see. Lionel. Oh no, you didn't. Never mind. He's let's there. see. Let's look. I mean, I think the men's field is about as red hot as you can get, right? So, I'm really, I'm excited for that. Paula, the, give it's us, just Talbot throwing shade at me. Well, He's been throwing shade on me what all day. A, that's because, all right. Because, yeah, we're gonna. You know what we're gonna do is we're gonna have to at some point we're gonna take a screenshot. We're gonna do a video roll of the text thread that you. Kyle, that myself, Kyle, and Talbot have to just get it up to air it all our, our dirty laundry, okay? Uh, about what we what we really think is going down. Um, well, the ra- the race is going to be really good because I think you have. It's so crazy to see how much races change. For example, like Bart got destroyed in Texas, but um, and had a, a. I mean, they did the guys at the front took a wrong turn in Florida, but he was able to win Florida. But I mean, you get someone. You get a couple guys at the front of the swim to push the swim. You have Rudy, you have Eric Lagers from Ben Canute. 
I mean, you have a bunch of the fast swimmers, and they're going to push that whole side of the race forward, which pushes Lionel and the good bikers a whole lot further back, and then they're all going to work together at the front. So it's it's these championship-level races are just – it's a whole lot different than when you just looked two weeks ago on something like Texas. So I think that's what's going to be really, really cool to watch here. Also, I mean, just kind of like we said earlier, it's, it's a preview of what Worlds will kind of look like here. And give us live stream coverage of what's going to go on, which is going to be great. Yeah, it's if the if the temperatures really get into the mid 30s towards the end of the day, and if it's truly as windy as they say it's going to be, you know, I don't know if it's if it if there's a crosswind day, and it's hot, um, dudes and gals are going to fall apart. Um, it's going to be a very very tough race. Um, you know, this talk of the front riding away or the back coming up, you know, I it, it really just is going to depend on what happens on the bike and what, which way the wind is out of. Um, yeah, and, and it's going to be, it's a point-to-point bike too. So if the wind's coming out of the south, I would sure. say okay. it would push a lot of people up Snow Canyon versus if it came out of the north, which would be a long day for some of your weaker bikers. Your uh, Jackie, is Jackie hearing racing or no? So you're saying it's gonna. Is, yeah. So you're yeah. saying it's gonna be predominantly tailwind bike. No, I have, I I don't know which way the wind's blowing. I'm with, yeah, I have no so, idea. Yeah. I'm just saying it's with a point to point bike. It could really affect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Never thought so, about. God, that. you could have a headwind all day if it came out of the north. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean if it's a I mean if it's a headwind all if it's a headwind all day, you're gonna get it's gonna bunch up again. So I. I it, it'll be interesting. I mean it's it's gonna be a very very challenging race. Um, one thing to note is that it's not as windy in the mornings here, though. Like, it picks sure, up in the afternoon. Sure. So you see that wind emoji in the 33, and that's, like, afternoon. Yeah. So Yeah, that's it. Yeah, right. And, it, I mean, are you guys diving in at 6.30 in the morning or something? Yeah. 6.50 yeah. start time. Probably 6.55. Yeah, it'll be early. Ooh. So the the early start, you know, most men will be off the bike before 9 a.m. or whatever. Paula, do you ever look at a start list and, like, are like, all right, that will probably be my group out of the water. Like, I plan to, like, work with those girls. Um, not really. I do look and see what other strong swimmers are in the race. Not that I consider myself a strong swimmer ever, but I hope to be in the front region. Yeah. <laughs> so. no, and are you ever trying to run from someone? Like, you're like, all right, let's work together to get away from Totally. Like that's that's what I think of more is like, who are the strong runners who are in a pack behind, like a Heather, Heather Jackson or Lindsay Corbin or Emma Pallant, knowing they can run really well and having a minute or two out of the water is a huge advantage, obviously. And then that motivates me to push harder on the bike, knowing they're minutes back. And Paula, how nice was it um, to drive to this race versus flying to the race? (laughs) It's a little too fresh in our memory. It was really far. It was like a 13-hour drive. (laughs) We were kind of wondering halfway if we made the right choice, but it was really nice to not pack our bikes in bike bags and could just throw everything in the van, slept in the van one night. I would say, yeah. Did you bring Finn with you? Obviously, yeah. No, we left the dog at home with a friend. Oh. He's so much work. He's like, he requires half my brain energy every day because he needs <laughs> so much attention. So he stayed home. <laughs> Did you stop at your favorite coffee shop in Nevada on the drive? Oh, good question. Wow, you YouTube. pay attention to the vlog. It was actually closed. So we'll hit it on oh, the way back. Oh, man. Obviously, experience is going to play a factor in this race. Um, obviously, wind will obviously will also play a factor. Um, it's going to be exciting to watch. That's all I know. I'm glad I'm I'm going to be on the receiving end of the race rather than 
dishing out the punishment like you, Paula. (laughs) This is an interesting Um, point you made is the fastest bikers and runners aren't winning all the races this year. It's like the most well-rounded, right? Yeah. So obviously the person who puts down the fastest run split or the fastest bike split haven't won any of the races so far this year. Yeah. Jan didn't even have the fastest swim bike run in Miami, but he won by quite a lot. No. No. And, and so. one person, I mean, of course, everyone talks about Daniela, but it'll be really interesting with her coming out publicly saying that um, she was by um, and found, I guess, through COVID, found love in herself and learned to love herself more. But not only that, she parted ways with her coach. So it'll be interesting to see how someone like her races, whether she's ha- in a happier place or less trained or more of like, almost rage from Kona, like she's ready to come back and just like smash it this year. So I think that a lot of people are really looking forward to what kind of shape uh, Danielle is in and and how she performs this weekend. Paula might be not looking as forward to what, see what kind of, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, <laughs> you're looking forward to it, but I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, she's, she is, I mean, she's Danielle Reef. I mean, it's, I know she's a, she's in my a, mind, I'm like racing for second basically, but I showed myself in Daytona that like anything could happen. Like I would have said that about Ann Hogg and Daytona. I would have said that about Laura Phillips. So literally anything could happen. And I think I'm biking better than I ever have before. So it'll be cool for me. I think like she'll, if I'm anywhere near her on the swim to see how long I can hold on and, Know that she's like you know the greatest there's ever been in the sport, so don't no, have to. No, you know, I'm sorry. I only meant I only meant that with like with just pure. Oh, I know what you meant. No, no, there no. was no no shade to you. I <laughs> totally. mean, it's just like if, <laughs> no, but I'm just. Yeah, saying. It's, it's like it's like being in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Like it's like <laughs> like you have to you I, have to battle. I have nothing to lose really. Like everyone yeah, expects yeah. her to win, so that's yep. just um, takes some pressure off, I guess. <laughs> now you just got to shock the world. You just got to shock the world, like he did in Daytona. So. um We'll find out D- Daniel Backagard if he's legit um, with his race in Dubai. I believe he has a Kona slot, but he's also racing Ironman Tulsa here next month. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with his race course if he's goes all in for this race, or if he's going to kind of tone it back a little bit to get ready for Tulsa. Um, I would also, say he's race did- favorite to win. Two Talbot, come on. I'm just going to say it. I think he's race favorite <laughs> yeah. to win. You know, I'm embarrassed that I haven't even heard of him before. I don't follow the men's uh, racing I'm... that well, I guess. Do you, did, did you see Magnus's story on Instagram? Me? Of his bike his bike modifications? He cut up a yoga mat to make his... Oh, uh, no, I didn't so, see it. <laughs> what? But is he... Can we talk about that on hot takes? Can we move? Can we? Can you, want to, you, want to, you want to postpone that to later in the show? Yeah, can we do that? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> At the end of the day, there's obviously a large start list. Um, we also have another race this weekend, Challenge Cancun. Um, not a whole lot of people racing this race. Obviously, everyone signed up for St. George pretty early on, and this race has kind of come, got put on the back burners. Um, not as big as of a prize purse, but obviously we know Challenge family and, and any races happening in Mexico, they take pretty good care of the pro athletes. Paula, have you done this race before, Challenge Cancun? I haven't. No, I Mexico is really hot. It it's a hard place for me to race, but I would have loved to do it if it didn't fall on the same weekend as this race, Saint George. So it'll be on Sunday. Three loops on the bike, three loops on the run. Uh, ocean swim, more than likely not wetsuit legal. 
Um, couple rollers on the bike, 75 degrees, 82 by the finish. Uh, we have Javier Gomez, Tyler Butterfield, Andy Potts, Patrick Nielsen racing, and then the women's race. The only person I could really find any information on is Annalie Jenkins, who is married to Javier Gomez, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, um, it's interesting to see that Patrick would come all the way from Europe to race in Cancun against no, well, Javier Gomez, but I mean, Javier Gomez just finished a really big camp, I think, for uh, for Yokohama in Cancun. So I think it just makes sense for him oh, to put in a little... Uh, he's racing Yokohama. Interesting. Is he racing Yokohama? Yeah. I think. He is. He is on the start list for Yokohama, yes. Really warm mm. place, so... Yeah, true. Yeah. I see him winning and his wife getting first. <laughs> Def- defending champion Andy Potts, though, he's coming to race, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be cool. No, it's going to be, it, it'll be great. I mean, I wish I could have been in Cozumel with them the last three weeks because it would have just been swimming in that ocean and great weather and um, all, all inclusive uh, buffet. So, you know, that, that's what I, that's what I'm missing out on. Let's get the, into hot. Let's the thing get that into sucks. hot. Hold tips. on. I have one more okay, thing to right, say. Fine, I have one fine. more thing to say. The thing that sucks is there's a lot of, I don't like, putting people into categories like B-level pro, A-level pro, things like that. But it's very obvious that there's a massive start list at St. George. But a lot of these kind of not as well-known athletes not going and doing Cancun, it, I don't know if it send a, sends a big message or... I don't know. I mean, this this is... Kyle, I think what you're getting at is this is the kind of stuff that just like cracks me. You know, it's fine it's fine that there's another race going on um but the but real then you race can spread the, it out a little bit the, the real make a name the, for themselves you know the real yeah the real race is happening in st george this weekend and that's you know that's where my attention is going to be i'm thrilled i can't wait to watch it on saturday morning and it's just like i'm happy that some people are racing in cancun it's just hard to get my attention for it well, the Cancun race is on Sunday, so you you don't. Have oh, going on. <laughs> oh, okay. Except for except for the Formula Gee. One race in Portugal, that's about it. Okay. Hot takes. All right. All right. Hot takes. I I feel like someone needs to form a live stream company and live stream triathlons. I probably have the the best assets to be able to do that with Pro Tri News and working for an audiovisual company. So, uh, if we can get enough funding, we will. I don't know what you're going to live yeah. stream because you might as well just yeah. send your uh, address to Iron Man to send you a cease and desist letter from their lawyers. So Yeah. Yeah. So Paula, we talked we spoke about this a couple weeks. We we spoke about this a couple weeks ago. You know, I wish in these scenarios where there wasn't live coverage, we could have clarity from races as to what it would take and what the actual cost would be for a live stream. Because I think collectively the athletes could get it paid for. Because I, I don't think that the cost is, is overwhelming. Mm, really? Um, yeah. Okay. You know, I think I think collectively, if look, if there's if there's a in this weekend, there's 120 athletes racing, right? Uh, collectively, I think if everybody wanted to pitch in with their sponsors and they understood what it was to get the live feed done, I think we I think the athletes could get it taken care of. Yeah. Iron Man would just have to allow it. Iron Man would just have to allow it and just say like, look, we need $80,000 to get the live stream paid for. Do the athletes, can you, can you chip in, check in with your sponsors and can we crowdfund and get this paid for? Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think it would be, a, or the, the response would be really positive. I don't know about putting that burden on professional 
amateur athletes. You don't see Tom Brady out here forking the bill. So that well, no, but I mean, it's some. I mean, look, I mean, it's it's chick it's chicken and the egg. It's mm-hmm. it's so if the athletes want to have a platform to showcase their sponsors, in a way, you know, and kudos to Paula and Eric, they've taken that on and they put a lot of time and energy into their YouTube channel. That's not free, but they believe in the value that it creates. And I think the same could be done for all of the other value, for all of the other athletes on race day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think with the live coverage in Daytona and Miami, it was a bit of a shock, I guess, to not have it at these other Ironman races, but the the norm is to not have live coverage. Yeah. So it's been so long that. Yeah, it's just like Paula. You came from a you came from an ITU background where World Triathlon did such a fantastic yes. job of show of of showcasing and broadcasting the athletes. Yeah, and so like that was, you know, that's that's how I was introduced to triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I wish that that was made available at a lot more um, triathlons. And now that there's so few going on and all of these races do seem really high stakes. It's like, how can we, how can we make that happen? Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So but like I would Talbot just, has it on, you, but you, you want to say it, Talbot? You do want to tip your hat to Ironman. This is the first time they have ever live streamed a 70.3. That is not a world championship outside of 70.3 Barcelona when Jan Verdino raced a couple years ago. So I'm glad that yeah, they no, do I'm, see the value, and hopefully they will continue to do this for these big events with startlists. Yeah, like I'm thr- this. I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. You, the the pro athletes are. I mean, I go on all about this. Is the pro athletes are your cheapest marketing tool. So yeah, all, every every pro athlete I hope is you know showing where people can go watch the race this weekend. Facebook Watch. All right, next one, Xterra triathletes. So if Eric can hear me. Eric racing Xterra race Oak Mountain in Alabama. Yeah, he's doing St. George, and then he's traveling over to Xterra. He's right here. Eric, come say a few words. What's up? Eric, what what made you decide to go and do Xterra race in Oak Mountain, Alabama? Well, I was warming up for um, Daytona race last year, um, and some guy in a really thick, amazing accent uh, came up and was like, dude, why do you not do the Xterra? You would be so good at it, and that just like convinced me. That was, that was all I thought. <laughs> no, but like in all seriousness, I I've been wanting to do one for quite a while. It's just never really lined up with all the other races on the calendar. Um, you know, I, I don't know why, but it always seems to be on the same weekend as some sort of important Ironman event, or you know, years ago ITU races. Uh, but this is finally it's lining up. There's this huge gap in the calendar, and we live in Bend now, so I can mountain bike all the time. You know, it's just. I feel like it's something I've always wanted to do, but it's never quite worked out. I saw you. I saw you on that start list, and I was like, "Dang, that makes total sense for Eric to do an Xterra. That's like right up his alley." Yeah, because you've obviously done well at at the race in Alcatraz multiple times, Mm -hmm. and you enjoy that race. So, yep, um, some similarities there. Obviously, not a whole lot, but um, well, I I just uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've always felt a little bit bummed that triathlon didn't have more. technical courses i think you can count the number of technical courses on one hand um and like i've never really understood why you know xterra wasn't a bigger thing and i feel like my skill set that just like growing up bmx biking and skateboarding and stuff i could be a little bit wasted (laughs) but this is like a good opportunity to finally put it into use and everything so i don't know man I'm, i'm i'm super psyched just go see how it goes 
Yeah. It'll be a good time. Is it... Okay, tell me where in Alabama this is at, because I haven't done enough research to know exactly where it is. It's Oak what, Mountain. What's your game plan? Yeah, it's Oak Mountain State Park, which I've heard the word Pelham, Pelham thrown around. The closest airport is Birmingham. So it kind of sounds like it's in the middle of nowhere. I, I'm flying into yeah. Atlanta and then driving over to the race. Yeah. How far is that drive for you? It's about two hours. I'm, I'm doing it with another with a friend, another guy from Bend, pro triathlete, uh, Curtis Feltner. He kind of talked me into doing the race, so we're nice. we're just gonna bro out and have a good time. So along with you doing that race, Elliot Bach, Bradley Weiss, Andrew Strakonowitz, who <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> know from, from the Ironman like community. These are all Ironman community people. Obviously, not even touching on all the other Xterra people. What was his last name? I was kind of like, you, you combined <laughs> Iconic and Starkowitz into one thing. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I mean, <laughs> I'm into it. I can't wait to hear what, you know, your version of my name is. And I will appreciate it being in combined with Legend. <laughs> legend. Eric Legendson. Le- yeah. Legend. Legendstrom. I don't need to hear it right now. Eric, Eric Legendstrom. <laughs> Um, yeah, I it's 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 pretty cool. You know, I think I'm not the only person who saw this huge gap in the uh, 70.3 racing calendar and thought they'd go give that a shot. Um, I do feel like I'm at a little bit of an advantage over the other guys who have. I don't know how Andrew Starkonowitz um, is doing any sort of mountain bike preparation in. <laughs> um, where does well, he he's live? a different. He doesn't live anywhere close to trails, so um, yeah, I don't know. It'll. I, I'm I'm feeling pretty as ready as I can be for it without, you know, specifically focusing on that. So, yeah. so I get, so, okay, so let's, can we just address, so what is, the, there is a gap after St. George, what will be your guys' next 70.3 after St. George? Um, I think it's Des Moines? Des Moines? Des Moines. Yeah. yeah. Des Moines or Des Moines? Des Moines. Des Moines. <laughs> End of June. <laughs> it's such a long gap. End of June. Okay, so it's not that bad. Well, it's two months. Yeah, it seems like a lot. Oh, it's two months. Okay. Last yeah. time I was in Des Moines, I watched Eric race there, right? No, I've never raced in Des Moines. I thought you raced you. No, it was Jason West. There you go. Jason West and that high V. Uh, the high V. No, race. it was the random. No, it was the lifetime. Ride. The lifetime race. Javier oh, Gomez yeah. went to so right before Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not Des Moines has a long storied right. racing history. Let's let's stick to hot takes. We're getting off task. <laughs> all right, all right, let's, all right. Pat, you next? added this Jan Ferdino Instagram story hospital question mark question mark question mark. Yeah, Eric, question mark. Eric had something to say about Jan Ferdino. Something good. Oh really? Well, you said we don't know if he's. Oh, I mean, his injury or not, or is he just sponsored by a MRI clinic and needed to get that out there? Yeah, we, I just like if you. The only thing I've seen is his Instagram story, and if you read it as like, I go get a checkup as in the form of an MRI once a year, or like I'm getting old and getting an MRI because I think I've broken myself as a yearly occurrence. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to make that's out That's how I interpret. I mean, that's that's how I interpreted it, Kyle, based on just the, the frame before that, right? Where he was sprawled out in the back of his car. Yeah. Like, yeah. like his back was hurting, so. I felt kind of no. bad. I messaged him and so, I replied to him right away and I was like, oh, is that the new Maybach? I didn't even like, say like anything about the injury. <laughs> I think well, like I if think... you have access to MRI, a lot of athletes don't. I know it's really expensive and hard yeah. to get one, but I think if I yeah. had one at my disposal, I would have gotten yeah. them pretty regularly, even if it wasn't necessarily super serious, um, just yep. to have peace of mind. If he had a sore yeah, back and right. he's had that injury before, why not check? You know, it yep. Yep. just lets you know for sure. So, 
yeah, hope he's yeah. not injured, but. He'll be, I think we've got him scheduled on the pod, if not next week, the week afterwards, so we should just be able to get it, we should be able to get it straight from the source. Well, we're we still right. have to write for we're the gonna, bank to approve the loans. We we're still gonna, need, we still gonna, need a lot of sponsors to start donating money we're gonna before hear, we we're get gonna hear right. Yeah, no, no, no. We, Luckily, we, Paul is a lifetime friend, so we were able to swing that. Final, <laughs> final, final hot take, Yokohama. Eric, how excited are you that you're not going to do a WTS race this weekend? <laughs> Um, I, I don't know, man. I mean, like, I definitely miss the ITU racing scene. I don't miss the ITU lifestyle, like, call you on Monday for a race in Yokohama on Friday. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 part of me wants to still be doing that. Part of me doesn't. And, um, it's, it's going to be super fun to watch. It's, that's the thing. It's, it's the, the coolest thing to watch in our sport, I believe, for sure. And have you guys, have you guys heard about the travel riggers before? to get into the race? No, get, tell us. Okay, well, I'm gonna be in hot water for the last hot take I said when Yokohama wasn't happening and now it's happening. But the latest I've heard on Yokohama is that all of the athletes are due into Narita Airport on Tuesday. Then there will be an athlete only shuttle to the hotel. I'm assuming it's the Monterey that the three of us have all stayed at before. Mm-hmm. The athletes are only approved to leave for certain pool slots, no outdoor running, and for the bike preview. Wow. Remember remember how the race was early Saturday morning, correct? Mm -hmm. All athletes are due to fly out Saturday night from Narita. Wow. So no running that whole week, basically. Exactly. From Tuesday to Saturday, no running. Um, There's still just a lot of unanswered questions around the logistics of all of it right so it's like i mean you guys remember walking around and getting food and Mm -hmm. what that looked like right from the right from the race hotel there um supposedly there's no leaving uh wow it's full it's full-blown quarantine that is so Um, brutal i mean like going to an itu race even when you can go out and exercise three times a day is still is such a tense nerve-wracking experience like usually you're just counting down the minutes until you can go for a run or a bike or anything to just not think about the race wow are they gonna have like food i mean i no (laughs) food there treadmills and they have a lot of treadmills in a room they recommend they recommended a trail mix and (laughs) you know they'll have water are they gonna have treadmills Um, no there's no dude there's nothing at that hotel right now so there there's this is what i mean um and I don't want to get like too caught up in it, but I think the other, the, the, the real important thing to remember, and you know, Eric and Paula can uh, realize this, is this race is really, really high stakes for a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not like you can just not what, go. It's not like you can just not go. So there are athletes like a Ben Canute that has to go, and the stakes are very high for him to make the Olympic team. Um, and I think the other real interesting thing is, is that there are a large portion of people racing that haven't raced an ITU race for a very long time. So it's like, it's a high stakes race after a large break in racing. Yeah. So very stressful. Um, Man, and it that, just it isn't. Can- it can rain there sometimes. That bike course is super technical. Like I've crashed there. Martin Van Riel broke his pelvis crashing there. That's that could be. Whew. Yeah. So I guess I guess Paula, what I was thinking about was the last time I remember having breakfast with you at the at the ho- the race hotel there, and all I could think was I'm just really happy I'm not there. So yeah, that I'm was assuming... my Olympic qualifying race back in 2016. <laughs> oh, was okay. Wow. Yeah, but... So I'm just. 
I, I mean, I think the, the good thing is that it's so close to Tokyo right now that the fittest and the best athletes that can overcome these challenges and win or podium or qualify for their Olympic team will be well prepared yeah. to race in Tokyo because that won't yeah. be a normal Olympics. I think a lot of these protocols will be, um, yeah, the same as they are in Tokyo, limited access to things, weird travel schedules. So being able to adapt like that is such an important mental part of competing that yeah. maybe it is a good test to see who should go race in Tokyo <laughs> as much as it might suck. Yeah, unreal. Especially with especially with what uh, Tokyo Olympics will look like, probably. Yeah. Yeah, unreal. Tokyo just went into another lockdown this week. So unreal. Yeah. I don't know what. I mean, I still I'm still going back saying Yokohama isn't happening, but that's that's for that's <laughs> for. Are you ready to die on that hill, Pat? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Why not? Um, all right. That's all I got. Paula, Eric, have. great, great luck this weekend. We're, you know, we're thrilled to, uh, we're thrilled that you could come on the pod. Um, any, I, I'd love if you guys just gave a plug of your YouTube show, and then, you know, merch. can you each just give a plug of your uh, sponsors as well? And their merch. Oh, and the merch, yeah. <laughs> no, we have a YouTube channel called That Triathlon Life. We initially made fun of that name, but it's caught on. Um, it's every Sunday morning at eight a.m. Pacific. Eric edits it, films it. He's amazing. And uh, it's not too sponsor pluggy. We both have our own sponsors, but we try to make it very kind of organic and follow our life. And so, yeah, if you're interested in checking that out, um, we'd love for you to go follow us. All of these, all of your, the listeners, everyone who watches Talbot and Lionel's vlog. Yeah. <laughs> the, se- the, 17, the 17 people that listen to this podcast, we hope you go uh, watch your video on Sunday morning. members of my family, so at least get 20 more views. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! No, thanks so much for having us. That was that was fun. Nice to catch up awesome. with you guys. Yeah, no awesome. problem. Okay, so this weekend, obviously, be sure to tune into the race 70.3 St. George on Facebook Watch on Saturday, Sunday, Challenge Cancun, challengefamily.com slash live. And then we'll be back next week to evaluate how everyone did during the race, uh, things we found, things we didn't find. And then we'll be ready to talk about uh, Xterra Oak Mountain next week along with Challenge Riscione in Italy. Nice. See ya. Thanks, guys. See ya.